0: So this week, something interesting happened. I would call it a miracle. I don't know if you're a miracle group of people, but I think it was a miracle. Uh, This week, uh, the Duke Blue Devils somehow, some way, squirreled their way to a win against the Carolina Tar Heels. You you can celebrate it if you want to. When we give you something on a silver platter, I guess you should probably enjoy it, right? But I, uh, I bet somebody earlier, uh, earlier in the year that when Carolina played Duke, that if Duke, uh, happened to win, that I would wear this during a sermon on Sunday morning. And I am a man of my word. I am going to wear this all sermon long, but I'm going to wear it right where the Duke Blue Devils belong. I'm going to put it right back here. Mm. That fits. Oh, that feels good. That fits right where, right where they should be. Yeah. Hey, let me, uh, <laughs> he's going to kill me. Let me, uh... <laughs> let me read to you guys a little bit of scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 14. Verse 14, the scripture says this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is an all too familiar story that you don't have to have been raised in church to know. Um, But this morning, I think God wants to say something fresh and new to each of us, um, whether we've been in church our entire lives or whether we're just coming back for the first time this morning. And I pray that God would do that in our time together. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we thank you for the fact that you are good. And that your mercy goes on and on and on, despite our failures, despite our shortcomings, despite when we get it wrong, you continually pick us up and help us to be pointed in the right direction. So God, I pray that this morning, that you would open our hearts and open our ears to what it is that you have to say, what it is that you want to teach us. God, so that no matter where we're at, you can set us on your path. A path which leads to fulfillment and purpose and wholeness. We are excited and we're expectant to meet with you in this place. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Robbie and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at Hope City Church, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to welcome you if you are a guest with us. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love the opportunity to do that. I'm going to be hanging out in our lobby after the service is over. Please stop by, say hello. I'd love the chance to talk to you, get to know you, find out how you and your family ended up here at Hope City Church. But we are wrapping up a series this morning that we have been calling The Blessed Life. And this series is ultimately about how we navigate, manage, and ultimately share our resources. Now, here's what I like to do. I want to I navigate us back about eight days ago. Does anybody remember what eight days ago was? Anybody at all? Ladies in the room know what eight days ago was? There we go valentine 's Day. Some of you are still bitter about eight days ago because of how that went down at your house, right It was like valentine 's day. so eight days ago it's valentine's day I'm planning on taking my wife out that night. We got this whole thing planned it's going to be good it's going to be awesome. Um, but it was valentine 's morning, and I saw all these pictures showing up all over Facebook. Thanks a lot, guys, right? All these pictures showing up about how you did something in the morning because you're one step ahead of the rest of us, right And so all these guys are putting out flowers and chocolates and balloons and all this stuff. And I I thought, well, I'm going to do something for my wife tonight. But in the meantime, what I can do is I can do something from the kids for her this morning, right? That's a sweet, nice thing to do. That's a loving, caring husband move. And so she actually has to run out. She has an errand to run. So she runs out. And while she is out running her errand, I say, I'm going to run to the store. Now, where our neighborhood is, um, it literally sits catacornered to two grocery stores. And so I literally can pull um, like a block out of my neighborhood and I'm at a grocery store. And so often our neighbors and I will we, we, we'll, we'll kind of switch places and she'll watch our place and we'll watch their place if they've got to run to the grocery store and our kids will play out in the front yard and do that kind of thing. Well, our kids were out playing and I said, I'm going to run to the store. I'm going to grab something for my wife. And she said, yeah, no problem. I got the kids, no, no worries. And right before I got ready to get in the car, my three-year-old daughter, Callie says, daddy, I want to take a bath. To which I replied, okay, that's no problem. Yeah, go ahead, Caleb, go inside and cut her on the bath water. And then when, when, when I know some of you are looking like, you're an idiot, you're the worst dad ever, right? But my neighbor was there. She was gonna be keeping an eye on things. She was gonna be able to come in the house and the whole deal. Go inside and run her some bath water upstairs in her bathtub. And then um, when, when I come back, I'll get her out, I'll dry her off, I'll do the whole deal, right? So started that thing, got in the car, ran as quick as I could to the store, came back, came back in and got ready to set up what I thought was going to be an awesome little Valentine's surprise for when my wife got home. You know, you got the the, the balloons and you got the flowers and you got the card and the kids are going to sign the card and their little funny handwriting. I thought it was going to be this awesome thing. But I walk in and my son Carson greets me at the door. Now, he never greets me at the door because he's always preoccupied with something more important. Carson's always distracted very easily. However, this particular time he greets me at the door and he says, Daddy, we got a river. Huh? There's a river in the kitchen. Now our kitchen is downstairs. Right? I I run into the kitchen thinking that maybe he's cut on the sink and it's overflowed. And I look up and out of my can lights there is water pouring and in, into a river right in the middle of my kitchen. And he says, Look, it's a waterfall too, right? <laughs> and he's he's and I immediately like like Clark Kent turning into Superman. I fly up the stairs and I get up there and I see my daughter and I see my son, Caleb and, and, and Callie, and they're both in the middle of the bathroom floor with towels and paper towels and toilet paper and they're trying to wipe up and Caleb immediately goes... I stopped paying attention, I stopped paying attention, I'm so sorry, and I'm like freaking out, I want to kill my neighbor, I'm like, where is she at through this process, and apparently her kids had decided they wanted to go to their house and go inside, and so she just let my kids go on inside, and so she had no idea that my daughter was going to be taking a bath, and they flooded the upstairs bathroom to the point that it was pouring through my kitchen, now for those of you who have ever experienced this before, you know the absolute terror that ensued at that moment, not because there was going to be damage to the drywall, not because there was going to be damage to the floor, but because there was going to to be damaged to my head when my wife walked in the door, right? And so I immediately become just like them, I start grabbing towels and toilet paper and tissues, and I'm thinking, I can recover from this. I can recover from this. I know I can. And I get it all dried up. I get the kitchen dried up. I get the upstairs dried up. I get the flowers put out. I get the balloons put out. I get everything done. And so Samantha walks in the door, and she comes in. She says, oh, you got me some flowers? That's so sweet. Why is the kitchen dripping? And she looks behind her, and there's water continually pouring into, for the record, pouring into a cup because I'm smart. I wasn't going to let it keep pouring onto the floor, right? Um... And I just, I just so happened to put it in a Valentine's cup with hearts on it, so at least it could be part of the, the whole effect. I was like, well, baby, you remember when we went on our honeymoon? There was that waterfall. I tried to create this whole... No, I didn't do any of that. But it was such a mess, and I felt like, gosh, this was going to be such a disaster. And everything could have been averted if two things would have taken place. If I had stayed home and done what I had been charged to do, And if Caleb would have paid attention and done what he was supposed to do, right? We both dropped the ball bad. We both stopped paying attention. And here's what I learned from things like that, that whenever things happen to go wrong in my life, it's usually because I stop somewhere along the way paying attention to what it is that I'm supposed to be doing and what I've been charged with. And this morning, here's what I'm gonna ask. Whether you've been raised in church or not, whether you're a church person or not, whether you're into this whole God or Jesus thing, I wanna ask you to do me a favor this morning. I wanna ask you just for about 20 minutes or so to just pay attention. I just want you to focus all your energy and your attention right up here in regards to your own life. Because whether you believe it or not, you've been given responsibility and you've been charged with something too. It's called your life. And this morning, if you would be careful to pay attention as we have a discussion about your life, you might be able to do the very thing that you've been charged to do and do it so much better than you had plans on doing it to begin with. But if you check out... And you say, this really isn't for me. This really isn't my kind of message. This really isn't what I signed up for. I just came because somebody invited me. This is really not my... If you do that, here's what's going to end up happening. You're going to end up making a mess of something that you've been entrusted with. Something you've been put in charge of. Something you are responsible for. And it will be because you stopped paying attention. No, please hear. I'm not I'm not saying pay intention. I don't mean like intend to, to pay attention and intend to apply this to your life and intend to go out and do something with it. I mean legitimately pay close attention to you, to what's being said, to the conversation, and then what you are called and charged to do with it when you leave here. Because if you do, God will do something spectacular in and through your life. Now this morning, we are going to collectively together take part in a really, really cool virtual social experiment. I want everybody who's got a phone in the room to get it out. Everybody's got a phone in the room to get it out. And if you cut it on airplane mode because you're in church, I want you to turn it off airplane mode. And we're gonna do something together. Here's what I want you to do. This is probably the first time ever that your pastor is gonna tell you, I do want you to text in church. I want you to text in church, okay? Now here's the thing. Before I tell you what we're about to do, this is going to cost you. It's gonna cost you somewhere between $1 and $5. And so if you don't have $1, then you can't participate. But if you've at least got $1 laying around somewhere, then you can participate in this social experiment. So everybody who's got a dollar and everybody who has a phone, I want you to get out your phone. Go ahead and get out your phone. All right, throw that number up on the screen for me. Here's what I want you to do. All I want you to do collectively together, and this is going to be really cool. I promise don't, don't just say, man, never mind. I just, never mind. If you can take part, I really want you to take part because this is going to be awesome. You'll see what I'm talking about in just a few minutes. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to text the number 123 three, four, or five. Any of those numbers you pick, whichever number you pick will be what dollar amount this game is going to cost you. I want you to pick between 1 and 5, and I want you to text that individual number to this telephone number right here, 980-255-5600, 980-255-5600. Now, I know for the next 10 minutes, none of you are going to be paying attention to anything I have to say because you're going to text this number. And when you text this number, it's going to reply to you, and it's going to send you a link, and you're going to click that link. And if you're thinking, I don't have a smartphone. I can't click that link. You didn't tell me that I have a smartphone to play this game. I didn't think we were in 1998. Come on. Get a smartphone. Let's go. Keep up with the time. People. 980-255-5600. Text that it'll send you a link. Click the link. And all I want you to do is put your information in there. Put your information. In there. And I don't listen, I don't care if for the next five to ten minutes you don't pay attention to me, but you can participate in this and do this. I want you to do it. It's gonna be awesome. Trust me. 980-255-5600. And I want you to send the number 1234 or 5. And then go through the steps, go through the process, do what you've got to do. And if you've got to work your way through it, take your time, work your way through it, I want you to do that. It's going to, be, it's going to be awesome because we're going to see what's going to happen when we collectively make the decision to do this together. Now here's the deal. A dollar doesn't cost us anything. A dollar doesn't hurt us at all. A dollar is not very much. And we're going to see that there's something pretty significant in the text that we're going to be looking at together this morning that's representative of that dollar. Something that's not very much, something that doesn't seem like it could make a big difference, something that, that really probably ultimately you couldn't do anything else really with. I just want you to, t- to take that dollar and put it to good use by doing what your pastor is telling you to do this morning and I want you to text that dollar in and I want you to send it to 980 5600 and then we're going to look together exactly at what happens. now. While you're doing that and while you're working on your way there, I want to go back and I want to look at the passage that we opened up with this morning and that is found in Matthew chapter 14. It's a story that we're all so familiar with, but many of us miss out on the crux of what it is that God is trying to teach us through this example. See, Jesus never did happenstance or random. Jesus never did, uh, just because. Jesus always had intentionality and purpose behind everything he did. And there's a specific purpose behind what he's doing here far greater than just feeding the people that were hungry in the story. Here's what's fascinating to me. There were a lot of people in this particular passage of scripture that were completely blessed, right? They showed up, they sat down, they heard the teachings of Jesus. It's all good. They're enjoying it. They're loving it. And then at the end of the day, on top of that, they're blessed because they're fed a meal by Jesus. So not only do they get to hear the Son of God firsthand live in person, they get to see a miracle firsthand live in person, and they get a meal on top of it firsthand live in person. It is unbelievable how blessed the people are that are in this particular story. But they're not the most blessed people in the story. They're not the people experiencing the richest blessings in the story. There's another group of people that experienced far greater blessings in the story than the recipients of the meal, than the crowd and the spectators who watched. You know who the most blessed people are in this story? It's the disciples. It's the guys who Jesus put to work. It's the guys who Jesus charged with doing something with what they had. And here's why they were the most blessed, and I'm going to explain it here in just a second. It's not because... They were really good spectators. It's not because they were closest to the miracle. It's not because they were part of the crowd. It's not because they showed up every Sunday. It's not because they listened intently. It's not because they paid attention. It's not because while Jesus was teaching, they raised their hands in worship and sang out really loud. It's none of that. They were the most blessed in the story because they were the investors and they were the distributors. They were the investors. And they were the distributors. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Verse 14 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, which Jesus tends to do. He is moved with compassion when he sees people who are desperate and needing a touch from him. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. We're out in the middle of nowhere and it's already getting late. Basically, he's saying, look, dude, we're in the middle of Mount Pleasant. We gotta get these people back to town or else they're not gonna be able to eat because everywhere around here closes at five o'clock, right? As evening approached, the disciples said, there's a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, what the flip is you boys' problem? That's the Robbie translation. Basically, he's saying, Hold on, hold on, let me get this straight. I have called you, I have charged you, I have given you my influence, my power, I have placed my spirit upon you, I've sent you out to do the works on my behalf and in my name and you bear the name of followers of Jesus and there are people who have a need and you're telling us that we gotta send them away so they can get their need met? Are you kidding me? I've just spent all day healing sick people. Why are we gonna send them away to get some food? You feed them. You have been, nice, somebody's paying attention. Nice. I love the fact that you guys are actually participating in this experiment. This is awesome. I'm watching you guys pull out your credit cards, your debit cards, doing your whole, it's incredible. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, look, I've charged you, I've commissioned you, I've placed you, I've called you, I've empowered you to do unbelievable works on my behalf. Why in the world would you send them somewhere else to eat? You feed them. And they said, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, which they jacked from some kid. They stole his lunches so they could have some food right? They got five loaves of bread, they got two fish, and that's all they got to work with. And they're saying, Jesus, this is all we got. We got just enough that if we all split this up among us, we'll each get a crumb, we'll each get a morsel. We don't have much to give. Sound familiar? All too often when we come into church and we hear that followers of Jesus are called to be the most generous people on the planet, that we're called to meet the needs of those around us, that we're called to make a difference in the world by being the hands and feet of Jesus. All too often, one of the first things that we say is, but we don't have enough, but we only got five loaves and two fishes, but I only make $8 an hour. And Jesus is saying, since when? Did you who bear my name start making excuses for why you can't accomplish the very purposes that I've placed you in the world for? We only have five loaves and two fishes. The two words at the beginning of that sentence are the very words which empower you and enable you to do what I'm calling you to do. We have. You may only have five loaves and two fishes, but guess what? You have five loaves and two fishes. So I want you to do what I've called you to do with what you have, what you've been blessed with. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. How many of you know that your stuff in your hands is just your stuff, but your hands in Jesus's hands is cause for a miracle in your life all day, every day, When you take what you've got, when you take your five loaves and your two fish and you take that and you keep it for yourself, guess what you've got? A snack. But when you take your five loaves and your two fish and you put them in the hands of Jesus, you create a miracle for you and for everybody else in proximity to you. He says, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and began breaking the loaves. First thing I want you to notice, the disciples were investors. Write that down. you're taking notes, you should write this down. The disciples were investors. They took what was given to them. They took what they had been charged with. That was just five loaves of bread and two fish. It wasn't much. They didn't have a lot to work with, but they took what little bit they had to work with. And they decided they were going to invest it. You can keep what you have. You can keep everything you have. And for many of us in this world, what we try to do all too often is get to a place where we've got enough. And then when we've got enough, we wanna hang on to what we've got. We wanna keep what we've got. We don't wanna give anything else to anybody else of what we've got because what we've got is just enough for us, right? Does that make sense? Five loaves, two fish, it's all I've got. And it's only enough for me. And when you keep what you've got, all you'll ever have is what you've got. But the disciples became investors. They they realized the value of putting what they had in the hands of Jesus so that he could bless what they had, multiply what they had for the sake, watch this, of blessing others. See, all too often when we talk about blessings and we talk about giving and we talk about resources and we talk about multiplying, we think that if we give, that God will give us more. And that's how we get more is to give more so that we can get more. And if we try to get more, guess what? We're gonna be missing out on the very reason that we're giving in the first place because God doesn't want us to invest so that he can just bless us. He wants us to invest in his work and in his kingdom so that he can use us to be a blessing to everybody around us. They became investors. And then look what happened next. He gave them back to the disciples. See, they gave, and look what Jesus did. Here we go. Let me give it back to you. He gave it back to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Second thing I want you to notice is they weren't just investors, they were also distributors. They were distributors. See, here's what I'm convinced of I'm convinced that. If the people inside the body of Christ would begin looking and acting like the church and start investing the resources that God's blessed them with into the work of the kingdom of God through the movement of the local church, here's what I'm convinced will happen. I'm convinced it will enable the local church, you guys, you, me, us, it will enable us to not only be investors but to become distributors distributors of what it is that God has blessed us with. So now we can go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. I've said this multiple times throughout the course of this series that God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. But pay attention. If you're not listening to anything else I say, I want you to hear this. God doesn't need your money, but this church does. And let me tell you why. Because God is going to accomplish his purpose and his will in this world, but it will be up to us whether we get to be a part of it or not. Did you catch that? God doesn't need your money. He will accomplish his work, but it's up to us whether he uses us. We have to make the decision whether or not we're going to be investors and then distributors. And here's the problem with distributing. As soon as you start distributing, everybody gets a little funky acting, right? Because it's like, well, if I got to take the time to go out and distribute, if I got to take that money and go distribute it here, if I got to go do this and I got to go do that, then I'm not going to get to eat. What about me? I'm hungry. I want to be fed. Uh, Jesus, we've been working all day. You've been healing sick people and they've been falling over and we've been catching them. We've been working all day long. What about us? Five loaves of bread, two fish. That's just enough for us. Are we not going to get some food in the process? And all too often, I can't tell you the number of times that I hear church people when we start talking about being generous with our time, being generous with our resources, when we start talking about giving away what it is that God's given to us, everybody starts freaking out and wondering, what about us? Are we not going to get fed in the process? If I serve every Sunday, I'm not going to get to sit and enjoy the word of God. If I I give, then I'm not going to be able to enjoy what I've got at my house and enjoy that that brand new cable box and that brand new TV and that brand new car. I'm not going to be able to enjoy my stuff. If I give, 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 what about me? Well, interestingly enough, Jesus had an answer for that too. Because he knew what he was doing with this miracle. He says, I want you to invest what you've been given. I want you to be willing to self-sacrifice and distribute what's been blessed to the world. And I'll take care of you in the process. How many disciples were there? That's not a hard question. Come on, you guys got that one. How many disciples were there? There we go, 12. And how many basketfuls of food were left over? See, if they had kept what they had, they would have had to break up five loaves of bread, two fish. And everybody would have got a little, little under half a piece of bread and like a fish scale, fish tail, a fish eye. That would have been about all they got. I know, it's disgusting, isn't it? That's, how, that's what a lot of people want to be left with. No, 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 I got my fish eye. I'm hanging on to it. Ain't nobody taking my fish eye. Fine, take your fish eye. Jesus is saying, I got a whole basket full of bread and fish that I'm trying to give you and I'm waiting on you to start becoming an investor and a distributor of my blessings. Did you catch that? God's desire for you and for me as part of his church is to invest what he has blessed us with so that he can pour out more blessings on us, so that we can then take the blessings that he's poured out on us and distribute them in the world to accomplish his purpose. And then all of a sudden, holy cow, we are being the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, where we party, where we hang out. All of a sudden, we start looking, sounding, acting, feeling a lot like Jesus. But it doesn't happen if you hang on to your five loaves and you hang on to your You're too fish. I know this sounds, listen, I I, I know this sounds like I got an agenda. It's because I do. (laughs) I know this sounds like that I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm just trying to get your money. And I am. But here's what you need to hear me say. It's not for my sake. It's not for this organization's sake. It's not for this building's sake. It's not for our staff's sake. It's for Jesus' sake. And if I'm gonna use my used car salesman abilities to do anything, it's gonna try to implore you to start living and acting and looking and living like Jesus because when you do, we begin to change the world. And I make no apologies for it. I just know, and I know, I know the money subject rubs people in the wrong way. And you say, ah, couldn't you talk about grace? Couldn't you talk about Jesus? Couldn't you talk about like loving people? Couldn't you talk about something that that I, I was good with all that stuff? But you got to start digging into my pocketbook now. Now I think that you're after something. I am. I'm after your money. You know why? Because the scripture says this: where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. God doesn't care about your money. The only reason He cares about your money is because He knows that that's where your heart is. God cares about your heart. So this church cares about your heart. And the only way we can get to your heart is if we learn to let go of our wallet. If we learn to start prioritizing, putting God and his kingdom first in our budgets, in our finances. If we start saying, you know what, we're going to invest the first, whatever percentage that is for you. If it's 5%, 10%, 15%, we're going to start investing that into God's kingdom. Because we want him to entrust us with more so that we can become a blessing to the people that he's placed into our lives. As long as you hang on to what you've got, you'll never get that opportunity. And let me prove it to you. In the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It's a really, really popular verse that's used a lot by pastors whenever we talk about resources and giving. But I wanna make sure that you see something in here that maybe you've never seen before. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That is investment. That's us being investors into God's work, into the storehouse, into the church house, into the work that God's doing through the movement of the local church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Do you think God needs food in his house? Do you think God's gonna go hungry if you don't bring food into his house? No. What is the purpose for there being food in the storehouse? So that it can be distributed. See, this passage says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring what you've got in, investment. So that there can be food here to distribute, going out distribution. And then this is fascinating because this is the one, one time in scripture that God asks us to do this. Watch this. Test me in this. There's passages all over the Bible which talk about not testing God, not pushing God, but in this one area, God says, test me. And you know why God says test me in this one area? Because this is the one area that's going to be hardest for you to get a hold of. This is going to be the one area that's going to be hardest for you to wrap your mind around and realize and start believing in. And so God says, you don't believe me? Fine. Try it. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And watch this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Sound familiar? Twelve basketfuls left over Now, a lot of guys read this passage and they say, if you'll just give your money, if you'll just give us that credit card number, if you'll just do that, then God's going to put a check in your mail for seven times the amount. I'm believing for seven times. Okay, keep believing for seven times. I'm going to go get a job. Hopefully my check will come in the mail. Right? That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, if you will invest into God's work in his kingdom so that God's work can be distributed and you can self-sacrificially help be a distributor of his blessings, that he will keep pouring out blessing after blessing after blessing for you to go out and distribute, 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 distribute. God furthers our influence. God grants us new relationships. God pours out his blessings on our marriages. God pours out his blessings on our homes. God begins to do unbelievable things in every part of our life when we begin to get this one thing right say, man, my marriage is falling apart. My house is falling apart. My relationships are falling apart. Nobody will listen to me. I would just pose the question and I don't mean to sound churchy or cliche. I just want to ask the question, are you investing in God's kingdom financially? Because if you're not, here's what that means, that God doesn't really have your heart. And if God doesn't really have your heart, then he can't bless those other things because those things you're still holding on to. God wants your resources so that he can take your heart and then pour out blessings on you that you could have never poured out for yourself. Chad, you in the room? Can you bring me up that piece of paper real quick? Bring me up what you got. I'm going to show you guys something. This is pretty cool. So for those of you that took part in our little text messaging experiment a minute ago. Here you go, I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay, cool. Oh, awesome, Cool. Let me tell you something that's awesome. Do you guys realize that at the beginning of this service, you guys sent a text message in with numbers, very simple, small numbers, numbers that honestly you couldn't even get a drink for at a gas station. If you wanted to go over here to this gas station, you wanted to buy a bottle of water, it would have cost you a little bit more than a dollar. It would have cost you a little bit more than just that simple number that you sent in via a text message. But do you realize because of what you did a few minutes ago, that we were able to provide clean drinking water to a family in Kenya. Actually, not a family, five, based on the five families in Kenya for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives. You provided clean drinking water for five families in a village in Kenya through an organization that we partner with all the time around here called Compassion International. Because you simply texted in small dollar amounts, but those small dollar amounts that were investments into the storehouse allowed us to become distributors of the work that God wanted us to do in the world. And because of that, you may have had to skip out on a bottle of water from the gas station, but we gave clean drinking water to five families this morning in this service alone. That's powerful. That's powerful. Listen... You can't do that by yourself. Sure, you can take and, and, and you can save the money and you can go and provide clean drinking water for five families. But it's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of saving. But when the people of God get focused on the kingdom of God so they can become the hands and feet of God in the world and they collectively together invest so they can distribute the blessings of God in the world, we are unstoppable. And it's so much more powerful. Powerful. Very simply, you making the decision to give and give generously change people's lives forever. Now, here's the challenge. And I want to make sure that I got God all over me when I say this. So I'm going to take this off. <laughs> here's the uh, here's the challenge this morning. It's really simple. For the last several weeks, a uh, matter of fact, three weeks ago. Told you to come in, and we told you to, to give your money away. Give your money somewhere else. Because I didn't want you guys to think that we're all about us. We want to unlock generosity in the hearts of our people. So we told you to sponsor a kid through Compassion International, not to give it to this church, but to give your credit card number to somebody else. And for the last two weeks, you've heard me say over and over, this is not about us. This is not about us getting money. This is not about us raising money. This is not about us being attached to a capital campaign. I'm not trying to get you to do something here. So if you have a struggle with this, go give your money somewhere else, but let generosity be unlocked in your heart and in your life. Well, this week, I want to turn that just a little bit because this week I want you to hear me say that I am fully and totally convinced that God's desire is to spread his good news, the gospel that Jesus came, shed his blood, died on a cross for our sake so that we could be restored to the way we were always created to live. And that is in relationship and fellowship with his father in heaven. So we would not have to go through life alone, but we would go through life attached at the hip with a God who is bigger than our circumstances. God wants to spread that message all over the world. But the one vehicle that he is going to use to do it Is the local church. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus commissioned the disciples to go and build the church by making disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can give your money to UNICEF. You can give your money to the Salvation Army. You can give your money to local organizations. And I think as followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus you should give your money to those organizations. As a matter of fact, we should be the most generous people at all of those organizations. But you've got to hear me say you can't do it in place of giving to the local church because the local church, because of the gospel that it carries, is the hope of the world. And so I want to challenge you this morning that if you have not made the decision to start investing part of your resources into the work of the local church, I want to challenge you to start doing it today because it makes all the difference in the world. You can give a little here, you can give a little there, you can give a little over there, but the problem is it's still individual. When you bring it together and you invest it and you put it in the hands of Jesus, you talk about amazing and unbelievable distribution that takes place, holy cow. Holy cow. So I wanna challenge you to do that. Some of you, the only way that you'll ever stay consistent and you'll ever do it is to set up recurring giving online. And I wanna challenge you to do that. You can do that right now while you're sitting in the service. Before you think about it, before you say, no, nah, no, no, you can do it right now. You can go to hopecityonline.net. You can click contribute and you can set up recurring giving today, right now before you leave. Some of you say, no, nah, I'm, I'm a paper and pen person and you need to grab a stack of those envelopes from the chair in front of you and have them in your car ready to go. So that you give consistently to the work of the local church. And I, listen, I know, I know this is the turn off message of the year. I know this is the part where everybody gets squirmy and everybody gets squirrely. But I'm just telling you, I think because we've become so ashamed and apologetic over this message, that's the reason that the church is in the condition that it's in in the United States of America. So we need to get more serious about investing in the work of God around the world. Some of you, you're technology people. And you'd much rather just quickly I don't have to worry about online giving, recurring, all that stuff. You don't have to worry about paper and envelopes. Some of you, just send a text message. Just like you did earlier, you can send a text message. You can send any dollar amount at any point, And it'll even come back and say, are you sure that's how much you want to give? Do you need a refund? Do you need, did you make a mistake? It's a very, very safe way of giving. But I want to challenge you to start putting God first in the area of your finances and see if he doesn't pour out blessings on your life, tangible and intangible in ways to give you the opportunity to be a blessing in the lives of somebody else that you could have never bought or afforded yourself. And here's how much I believe in it. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. The Lord God says, test me in this. And so if he says, test me and it's good enough for him, I'll say, test us, it's good enough for us. So here's what we're going to do. If you make the decision today that you're going to start putting God first in the area of your finances and you're going to start giving generously to his work around the world and you're going to trust him with your economy rather than trusting in your own economy. If you'd be willing to do it for three months, at the end of three months, if you are not experiencing the tangible and intangible blessings of God in your life as a result of your faithfulness to Him, we will give you every dime that you've given over the last three months. Back no questions asked. As a matter of fact, when you leave today, if you're willing to accept this challenge, I want you to take the connection card that you were handed when you came in. I want you to write tithe real big somewhere on it, which means I'm going to give God the first percentage of my income for the next three months. Put your name and information on there, drop it in the offering basket. In three months, you'll get a letter from us that says, hey, how's it going? Would you like your money back? And we'll give you every dime of it back. No questions asked. Nobody will know your name. We're not going to put your picture up in the lobby that said it didn't work for them. <laughs> I want you to test God in this. And what have you got to lose? It's tax refund time. Unless you own your own business, you're probably getting some money back, right? So you got some money to work with, test God. See if he doesn't pour out blessings, unbelievable blessings in your life. Give him a shot. Take Malachi 3.10 at his word. And see if God doesn't turn your life to a blessed life. Let me pray for you. God, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity we have to be a part of your work in the world. God, we ask that in the course of these moments that you would work in our heart, that you would penetrate in our hearts, that you would mold our hearts, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us to do the very thing that you've called us to do. And that is to be your hands and feet in the world, to be your church to make a difference on your behalf. We love you and we're grateful for the opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.